having sort of a background in, in brand and that being something that I really enjoy thinking about and, and working on and having worked on a few brands prior to that, that were very polished, like, especially in travel, you're dealing with a type of consumer and a type of spend category that is everything is just super buttoned up and you don't have a lot of room for play. And so going into crypto and wanting to build a deeply internet native brand, what was so fun about that is it so inherently lends itself to being chaotic, being um, sort of irreverent. And so we were able to build with that perspective of what the brand would look like. And um, and it's really nice to hear that there's a, a a really clear sort of voice and feel and look of Boys Club because that was very, very intentional from the beginning. How do we make sure everything feels cohesive? How do you look at a meme or a tweet or a piece of merch and immediately, you know, okay, that's Boys Club and like that has the same vibe as all these other things. Welcome to UFO, a podcast where artists, musicians and Web3 builders talk about the future a place for revolutionary ideas. I'm your host, Nick Hollins, and on today's show, Natasha Hoskins. She's a creator, brand builder, and founder in tech, co-founder of Boys Club, the social collective bringing a new voice to the new internet, product, studio, and media company, best known for their parties, community, podcasts, interviews with crypto builders, memes, merch, and a newsletter exploring culture and tech. In this episode, we talk about the Boys Club origins from Natasha getting introed into crypto by her co-founder, Deanna Burke, to a full capacity dinner event for predominantly women interested in Web3, going on to hold bigger and better parties and forming a community. I asked Natasha about their experiences building a social collective brand in crypto, how they design their DAO, how they're thinking about audiences and making collaborative releases like printing a physical zine distributing by hand across South by Southwest. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsors helping to put UFO on the air. First up, our friends at Zerian. UFO is a podcast that brings together the brightest builders, creators, and founders shaping the cultural side of Web3. And Zerian is the perfect wallet for these active citizens. Zerian combines every corner of Web3 in a simple and intuitive app for self-custodial humans. Discover the hottest NFT collections, track your DeFi rewards, and vote in DAOs across 10 plus chains. Come along and check out their app on mobile. You can get started at zerion.io. That's Z E R I O N.io. Lens Protocol is the open source tech stack for building decentralized social media applications. It's a new era for social media in Web3. Lens isn't a social media app. It's a protocol to let Web3 social apps thrive, a permissionless and transparent social graph that is owned by the user. With Lens, your followers go with you to whatever application you want to use. And instead of being trapped inside the walled garden of an algorithm, Lens lets you choose the way that you want to experience your social media. UFO is available on all Lens apps at ufoclub.lens. Yup is the best of Web3 all-in-one feed, aggregating the best content of Lens, Farcaster, Mira, NFTs, and Crypto Twitter. Search across platforms, customize your feed, and show off your NFTs and PO apps on your profile. Everyone in the UFO community is invited to register for the Yup mobile beta via their website. The best of Web3 in one feed, visit yup.io. To explore links for Natasha, her podcast, and Boys Club, check out the show notes at ufo.mira.xyz. You can find Natasha on Twitter at Natasha G. Hoskins, and their website is boysclub.vip. Let's jump in, starting with Natasha's foundational experiences in Web3 from her neighborhood in Brooklyn. Yeah, so I've lived in New York for 12 years. I'm originally from South Florida. Um, and I was in Florida for weirdly during the first month of COVID. I'd gone down there for vacation with um, some friends and my husband. And then basically 
stayed there for a month and when everything was totally going crazy and uh, very unexpected situation, obviously, and then came back to New York um, and yeah, have been here for a really long time in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, which is now become sort of this epicenter of the crypto web three space, which is really funny. It's definitely wasn't that um, even a few years ago, even pre COVID, I wasn't really exposed to that community being here. Um, So yeah, how I bumped up against crypto web three, was that also part of the question? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, at Indiegogo was uh, worked alongside this woman named Dina Burke, um, who's my co-founder of Boys Club. We weren't on the same team or anything at Indiegogo, but as I was leaving to start All Call, she was leaving to start um, what was functionally a Bitcoin wallet, but designed for teenage girls. So this was in 2017. And we both just really bonded over being early stage, non-technical, solo female founders. Like there was so much for us to sort of talk about and and dig into and became really good friends. And um, she became an advisor to All Call and then eventually actually became a co-founder to All Call. So um, she had been in the space for many years and sort of had always been telling me, Natasha, you've got to get into crypto. Like this is the future. This is what's happening. And I was just like, it's really cool for you. Like this weird internet thing that you're into is like totally fun, but it's not for me. Like I really couldn't see it past sort of a financialized asset. And that wasn't that interesting to me. And so for many years, that was the dynamic of our relationship. And then summer of um, 2021, when crypto really started to rub up against culture in a really significant way. And in my life outside of my relationship with Dina, where, you know, my husband's talking about like Topshop and like everybody in my neighborhood's talking about FWB and NFTs are going crazy. And it started to just uh, rub up against, you know, art and culture and fashion and all the stuff that really I was interested in and I was into. And so Dina and I went on a work trip and I was like, okay, you've got three hours, like sell me, tell me why I should care about this. Like for years, you've been trying to get me to be into this. And, um, and she did the hard work of onboarding. And basically like we went through Dow, like decks on DAOs. We went through like crypto Twitter and discord. And really it was a light bulb moment for me around how blockchain technology and all the things that were happening in this space were really an enabling technology. And it was what you brought to it, just like early days of the internet. Um, and so that was sort of my exposure and how I started to get in into crypto and Um, really through the generosity of Dina and also sort of the cultural movement that was happening around uh, this industry as well. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. And uh, it's interesting. So I've kind of been interested and engaged in the space since maybe like 2017. So I feel like I'm kind of in the middle because there's like practically, you know, there's like a whole nother half a decade before I got into it or whatever. And which was very like financialized asset. Bitcoin, like that, that kind of stuff. Right. And then I kind of got in, in this sort of the, the ICO boom, crazy time okay. where it was like everything plus blockchain and we're raising yeah. tens of millions <laughs> and whatever. So it was that kind of crazy wild west. You're kind of trying to find your feet. And because I come, I suppose from, um, I mean, from journalism and media, but I'm into art and music and all, all that is kind of my jam. And so you would meet other folks in the space that were also about that kind of stuff. But interestingly, as you mentioned, it came a little later, it seems like, Mm -hmm. before, say, you know, your friends with benefits or NFTs start popping off or and these things start to really resonate and have use cases with creativity and culture and stuff like that. And then the whole game started to change. And coincidentally, um, it came along with the NFT (laughs) mania and boom and all that kind of stuff. Uh, of the last couple of years as well. It's also interesting to hear, you know, the fact that you're in Williamsburg and stuff and like people are talking about that in the neighborhood because I had the experience of like, I'm living in Australia. No one's mm-hmm. talking about friends with benefits yeah. out loud. <laughs> you know, It's like, totally. <laughs> I'm very much in the extremely online and therefore yeah. and whatever. And it's like, I, I have to fly to the other side of the planet to hang with people totally. that are kind of about that stuff. So that's really cool to kind of get the sense of like, a world in which these things are happening uh, in real life, which is kind of yeah. like a cool energy to tap into. Yeah, totally. And that's been so much a part of Boys Club too. And for me, um, I love internet culture. I am deeply online, but I also have a ton of conviction about community bu- building being 
um, a lot easier and usually can result in something that's very deep if you have that in-person experience with people and start to build relationships that way. And so it was really important for us with Boys Club that events and in-person activation would be a way for people who were sort of sitting on the sidelines of this space for them to feel excited and engaged in what was happening for them to do it in person alongside people that they could be like, Oh, this is someone I can trust and I can talk to and I can ask questions. And they are interested in similar things to me. And we're having a nice cocktail while we're talking about it or, and that was my experience with Dina. And um, I, I think it's a really interesting point from from you that a lot of my experience of crypto has been how do we take all of these amazing weird wacky things that are happening on the internet and bring them into real life experiences and connection with people and coordination amongst people and that's a, another huge part of why i got into this and, and started to feel really excited about this space is what it could do for coordinating people and building relationships and building network and um yeah, I think it's sort of, that is probably a large result of me being in this neighborhood where all of that was sort of, you could feel that in the room, basically. Mm, yeah, totally. So it's, it sort of comes on like a bit of a cultural movement driven by like technological innovation, if you like. So yeah. like you kind of have these new, this new space that's going on. Um, and it's, it's funny. I think of stuff like, you know, the blogger era as as it was mm -hmm. called or like early social driving certain things like that as well and like through the run of this podcast like I've had all these conversations with different folks and it's really interesting when you start to tug on the threads of like their particular individual journey through the space or whatever it is and so often it, it looks a little like you start to get a little involved and then you trip into this project this project do a couple things meet this person in real life yeah at a bar in the space you become friends you launch a thing like it's it's very often i suppose it looks a little like the startup space or whatever but the fact that yeah. in crypto uh or in DAOs and stuff you're that much more free to kind of jump around follow what you're interested in if you like this project you can just contribute to it make friends there who are also what you're into and do you know what mm -hmm. i mean like whereas if we totally. think about the startup thing that's a little more like there's legal structures and equity yeah. <laughs> arrangements and yeah, yeah, you, yeah. I have to think about what I'm putting my time to like this is my work or whatever it is whereas in the you know in the crypto and web3 ecosystem that we're all in I think that's what's been exciting over the last couple of years and now that we're kind of really dredging <clears throat> through the bear market maybe it's changing a little bit as far as what's tenable but the last couple of years of like if you're into a project just jump on contribute to it make friends like that's been really nice and i think we've seen a lot kind of branch out from that and boys club is one of yeah, the best examples of it you know so oh thanks that's so, that's so nice to hear i totally agree with you though i think there's a flexibility that's really attractive for a lot of people around contribution around engagement um that you just don't really see in other industries yet maybe that will change but um that's something that i think is really amazing about the space I would love to get into like the kind of the the origin formation stories of Boys Club as well. So you know, um, you and Dina, she's she's bringing bringing you into the space or bringing you up to speed. Um, and where does that sit on the timeline? And then how does it look? What's the zero to one? Um, yeah, for for you guys, kind of getting the idea to get because I love those stories about how to get together. But then you know, how did you then go and start broadcasting and sharing that idea with everybody? Um, yeah, so it, it happened very much along the same timeline as my own onboarding to the space. So we had that that trip where um, she sat me down and we walked through stuff. And while we were there, one of the things that we both felt was sort of what I said earlier is like, there's all these amazing people in our lives, very smart, very capable, primarily women who were sitting on the sidelines of what was happening in this ecosystem and in this space, and were sort of just observers of what was going on. And um, we wanted to take those women and take them from observers and move them to participants, or at least have the exposure that I had in a way that felt accessible and felt like we were speaking their language and that it was broken down in terms that uh, related to the things that they're into and the things that are, there are interested that they are interested in. So we decided to start basically a dinner series. So the first sort of inception of boys club was, okay, let's 
really first it was like, let's bring some friends up to my roof and get some pizza and natural wine. And we'll do what you just did for me, Dina. Like we'll talk through what's happening. What's, what is crypto? What is blockchain? Like, what is all this internet stuff that people are talking about? How does it pertain to you as a teacher or a florist or whatever it is that you do or are interested in? Like, how is it going to um, potentially rub up against those things? So that was the original concept. And I think for both of us, we had both had startups that um, landed on their feet, like totally soft landing, but we had, they weren't like out of the park uh, wins. And we started with like, we have this really great idea. We're going to go raise money. We're going to go build that thing. And then we're going to put it out into the world. And we're going to try to get a ton of people to care about it. And we're going to try to build community around it. And what we found is that is really hard to do. And it is really hard to, oftentimes you you put something out into the world and like a lot of people do not care about it. And so for us, we, we, when we were thinking about boys club and sort of starting something like this, it was really important that we started with that community first and that network first. Like, how do we start, how do we flip that script and start with bringing a ton of people around sort of a shared understanding or idea, and then figure out what the business or the product or uh, whatever it may be comes from that. So that was always sort of the forefront of our mind, but really just started with this idea of like a dinner series on my roof and um, got like an Eventbrite together, like started a Twitter account and um, put a tweet out and we're like, okay, like with 20 RSVPs and we're like, we're doing this dinner series, like no bro zone for the crypto curious and immediately like sold out. And we were like, okay, like maybe we do 20 more tickets and maybe we do 20 more tickets. And then all of a sudden we were like, okay, wow, this whole thing is sort of snowballing into something that we um, were really excited about, but had not anticipated at all. And then before we know it, what we thought was going to be like a rooftop hang was like 65 women in a loft in Chinatown with like a full dinner and a panel. And all of a sudden, all of these things were starting to happen and um, tons of people on a wait list for it. And for us, it was just really clear, okay, there's a lot of white space here. There's a lot of people who are asking the same questions that we're asking, wanting to learn together in community, wanting to sit in a room and look around and feel like they could ask any question that they wanted to ask um, and feel accepted and excited to do that with other people. And so that was sort of how it started. And we had that dinner and it was so much fun and just such an incredible like energy in the room. Um, and then we started a telegram after that, and then I could keep telling the story from there, but that's sort of the origin story of how, how boys club started and, um, always had sort of a sense of deep sense of humor, a very lighthearted approach, never taking ourselves too seriously and always sort of starting from like, okay, we're going to do memes. We're going to do funny stuff. That's explaining some of these really dense topics and found a lot of traction with that early on, which was uh, a lot of fun. So first of all, um, that's a great story. And it's always nice when you kind of your guest list is just packing itself out over and over and you're like, oh, actually, there might be something here. Um, I'm curious about after that first kind of hangout and everything, how did Boys Club as a kind of collaborative, cooperative kind of little scene start to happen? Because I imagine after that first meeting, there's a lot of great ideas and meetings that are happening and, and stuff like that. And people wanting to be like, oh, I love this. Like, how can I help basically? So what did the sort of the next couple months or what I assume is a sort of a series of events like that? Like, how did it start to build and, and, and snowball in the kind of the months after that? Yeah, I think um, as we were leading up to that first dinner, Dina and I were really excited about the structure of DAOs. We're really thinking about... Um, prior even to thinking about Boys Club directly, thinking about like product studios as a whole. And how do you, as an early stage founder, you know, you spend a few years on this one idea that you have and you're putting everything into it and you're hoping for like a lightning in a bottle moment where the product is right, the market is right, like all of these things come together and it's truly such a gamble if it's going to happen. And so we had already been talking about how do we think about a space where we're bringing really smart people together and maybe launching MVPs of different products or testing things and iterating on them. And um, how do we not make the same mistakes that we made last time? How do we get things in front of people really fast? How do we make sure we're building things that people are excited about? Like we had already been sort of like talking about that and then looking at the structure of a DAO and thinking about how those things are really nicely matched. Um, 
And so after that first dinner, you're exactly right. All of these amazing, talented people were super excited about Boys Club and essentially like, how do I get involved? How do I, uh, you know, do more of these events? How do we continue to stay connected? So um, started the Telegram. Telegram evolved into a Discord. We're doing sort of a ton of um, we're continuing to do events, but also what really came to life was an initial team of people who were excited to contribute. And that resulted in just an amazing talent pool of people who were really thinking about boys club, thinking about partnerships, thinking about how we continue to grow the community, um, and how we grow from a content perspective. And so, um, I think part of that was a lot of the people in the room, were, as I said, sort of are sort of observers and wanting to be participants. And as they they saw Boys Club as a way to become participants, where they saw this sort of launch pad for experimentation for themselves, learning that they could do uh, through sort of the uh, structure of Boys Club and the brand of Boys Club. And that has continued to evolve over the last 18 plus months that we've been doing it. But that definitely the initial kernels of that started to happen post that first event. Um, and so that was really, really special to see. And for both Dina and I, we sort of looked at each other and having worked on early stage products and knowing when it's not working, looking at each other and being like, oh shit, this is working was like a really nice feeling. And um, I think we're able to see that clearly as um, just from sort of the scar tissue of other experiences that we've had. One of the images that sticks in my mind about Boys Club is just like boysclub.eth on a cap. I don't know yeah. whose cap that <laughs> yeah. is. Or maybe is that a cap that you sold widely? Yeah, yeah. Right? Super yes. effective though. I like that. Um, Thanks. What other kind of uh, visual sort of memetics um, have you been playing with uh, with Boys Club? Because I can think of other examples uh, of things that kind of have a strong resonance, like a pool suite, right? Like you see it, you know yeah. it or whatever. And I feel like Boys Club has a similar uh, quality. It's probably only um, a, a positive value that you're also based in in New York City of all places. And so there's there's sort of a giant beacon below that city anyway. So it certainly helps as an amplifier. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to kind of like, how has the community been expressing itself through the lens of Boys Club? Like, how does that manifest in things like merch, gra yeah. graphics online, and sort of like, how would you describe the the tenor of, of Boys Club, yeah. essentially? Um, chaotic. That's probably the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> um, and... Uh, having sort of a background in, in brand and that being something that I really enjoy thinking about and, and working on and having worked on a few brands prior to that, that were very polished, like, especially in travel, you're dealing with a type of consumer and a type of spend category that is, everything is just super buttoned up and you don't have a lot of room for play. And so going into crypto and wanting to build a deeply internet native brand. What was so fun about that is it so inherently lends itself to being chaotic, being um, sort of irreverent. And so we were able to build with that perspective of what the brand would look like. And um, and it's really nice to hear that there's a, a, a really clear sort of voice and feel and look of Boys Club because that was very, very intentional from the beginning. How do we make sure everything feels cohesive? How do you look at a meme or a tweet or a piece of merch and immediately, you know, okay, that's Boys Club. And like, that has the same vibe as all these other things. And so that was really intentional. And I think also really, um, uh, really fertile ground to do that is crypto because so many people are not thinking about brand that has changed over the last two years for sure. But at that time, there were very few people who were thinking about brand first companies in this space. And for us, we're not technical founders. We're not engineers. Our advantage and our, um, sort of skill or superpower was branding. And so we had to bring that to the forefront and be really intentional about the ways that we showed up in order to have something that felt differentiated and felt like it had real value. Um, so yeah, the way that boys club shows up, definitely merch and apparel. We've been really happy to see that our community is really excited about that and really loves to buy our merch, which is great. Um, and we have a lot of fun making it and a lot of fun designing it. So that's definitely been something that we will continue to invest in and think about and um, also fits within sort of the ethos of what we're excited about, which is really the 
um, where all of these emerging texts, all of this emerging tech sort of rubs up against culture. And so fashion is like a very um, clear and easy one for us to play with and do fun stuff with. We love uh, making memes and doing really weird uh, visuals on Instagram and really funny stuff on Twitter. And it's always been sort of a part of the brand to be uh, irreverent and funny and to try to do, make people laugh and have a good time. Um, so yeah, I would say that that's a huge part of of the brand and how we thought about how it can come to life in a way that feels cohesive um, in all that we do. And then lastly, I would say that events provide this amazing opportunity to have um, real distribution of your brand because you have so many people who are going, they're taking pictures, they're tagging each other, they're um, finding um, us through their friends who posted about it on Instagram. And we have a really high bar for what our events look like. Like we're never going to have an event at someone's office with like, you know, some beer and a bottle of wine. Like that's totally cool, but that's just not a boys club event. And so um, we've been really, really thoughtful about how when someone says, okay, I'm coming to a boys club event, they have a really clear idea of what that experience is going to be like and a high bar for it. And everybody gets like dressed up and they're wearing their cutest outfits. And like, that's a whole part of, of it. And that is definitely representative of, of the brand as well. Um, and then lastly, we did a zine and, and we can talk more about that as, as a, a media property of boys club, but that was also something that we had fun with. Yeah. From chatting with uh, Evan from disco on a fairly recent episode. And she was, she had great things to say about, uh, the party that you threw uh, during East Denver as well is one thing. Oh, so yeah. when you say that, like, uh, people having the sense of, like, you know, knowing what to expect from a boys club party or setting their expectations high anyway, uh, you know, have, for people that haven't been there in person, like, how would you describe how you kind of bring these uh, bring these things together? How do you kind of curate the experience? You know, what what's the vibe? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Uh, well, I can talk about ETH, ETH Denver, which was so fun. I'm so glad Evan had a good time because we had a good time too. But it was, um, yeah, like we're just the the cocktail bar that we chose. Like we scoured every single venue and we knew we wanted something that felt intimate and had great cocktails. And um, it's this really cool uh, woman who is female owned and she was from Brooklyn and she had moved to Denver. So it had like a very Brooklyn feel. Um and we get a lot of um, inbound for people who want to come to our events, which is amazing. But a lot of times it can be like just a lot of dudes who are like, I'm going to go to a boys club event. And so we keep like a really tight list. Like we're really thoughtful about who's showing up. And like we love we love dudes. Like it's totally all are welcome at boys club. But um, just coming with like an intentionality about wanting to connect with other people and wanting to network with um, other people who are doing fun things and interesting things in this space. And so. Um, I think really consistently, if you go to a boys club event, you're going to have a really great cocktail. There's going to be a DJ. People are going to be looking really stylish and you're going to be really happy about the types of people that you, you meet. So many people from that East Denver party, that was such consistent feedback of, wow, there were such interesting and amazing people in the space and they were so down to connect and everybody was so friendly and you're not going to come to one and it's going to feel like everybody's too cool to talk to you. Like everybody's going to be like, Oh, I work here and I should connect you with this person. And I love what you're doing or I listen to your podcast or um, whatever it may be. And so I think just like having a sense of um, that there's going to be like a real aesthetic vibe, but also you're going to meet a lot of great people who are really excited to connect with you and want to hear about what you're working on. Um, and so, yeah, we have a lot of fun um, curating them. We have a lot of fun putting them on and inviting a lot of fun people. So it's, it's a huge part of, uh, boys club and I think it's also helped us survive and thrive during the bear market because coming back to sort of that um idea of connection in person so much of the core community of boys club we've spent a lot of time together where it's not like anons with pfp you know um profile pictures that you've never really met, or maybe you've only like exchanged some telegrams with, like you deeply know these people, you've spent time with them, you've gone to panels with them. And because of that, those relationships really hold through when everything's not as shiny or the, the market's not popping or whatever it may be. And I think that that has really helped us um, continue to support that community and for that community to connect with each other through a market that is not as, not as, hot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'd love to ask as well, related question. 
um, about what you have discovered through this process of what began with, you know, we're going to meet for, for drinks or dinner or whatever it was, like the initial events with the intention of like, we're here to impart, invite and welcome new people into the space and kind of bring you up to speed and, and things like that. And, you know, that remaining a bit of equality with Boys Club going forward, like, what have you learned about the best ways to kind of help onboard people in the space, like some particularly yeah. uh, effective ways of doing that, essentially, which may look a little like, you know, yeah, you're having panel conversations or sort of breaking out into groups, or is it, you know, um, through the Discord, there's a space for newbies. Like, if uh, I, I guess it's like, how have you been iterating and designing the kind of the, the onboarding experience for new people who are like, oh, what's crypto? I'm going to go through boys club or, or whatever. Cause yeah. no doubt you've kind of, you know, you've struck on a few things. Yeah. Um, I would say the biggest learning, uh, like macro 30,000 foot view is that everybody's access point is going to be different and everybody's interest point is going to be different for a lot of now my friends in crypto, when they were trying to get me into crypto, they would have assumed like I've our history background that NFTs were going to be the thing that sparked the aha moment for me. And it was actually DAOs and that coordination amongst people and new ways to structure power and wealth and all that sort of stuff. And um, I think there's um, exposure to many different types of things that people are building, many different ways that this technology shows up in sports or fashion or music or technology or the financial industry and giving people like a really wide berth to look at, okay, there's all these different ways. One of those things is probably going to click for somebody, but being really prescriptive about this is the way that maybe you should onboard. This is the thing that you should be thinking about, at least for us was not what worked. What worked is bringing in a ton of different people working on a lot of really amazing projects who were very smart um, to be able to come into the room and talk about it, but also create a space that any question was totally fine. Like truly, and this is on a more practical level in our discord, we have a channel called no dumb questions and it's really true. And I use that channel all the time. Like everybody uses that channel to come in and be like, Hey, I'm thinking about this thing. I totally don't understand it. Does someone have some insight? And um, other people will jump in. And that's the beautiful thing about community. There's like these areas of index for all different types of people. And you're able in a community to really show up for many of those questions because there's um, just a breadth of knowledge. And so, yeah, my two biggest learnings would just be providing just a ton of space for people to see the industry in many, many different ways and not be prescriptive about onboarding, but be just expose people to different things that are happening and have them sort of find where their interests and where they kind of fit in and want to dig in more. And then just providing a type of community and space where people genuinely feel like they can ask a dumb question. They can do it. Like most of our events, when we do panels and Q and A's, we do like Q and A over text. Um, because some people don't want to raise their hand and say something that they're going to maybe feel stupid in front of other people. And just creating that space to allow for learning um, in a way, in an environment that still feels fun was was super important. So those would be, um, yeah, the main things and just being really patient with people and um, allowing them to, you know, set up a wallet with a friend and show screen share and be um really open about the feelings that come up when you're doing new things and how hard it can feel and how scary it can feel. And just allowing for that, I think really resonated with people. Yeah, it's smart. And I'm, you know, not surprised to hear that there's some of this discoveries. I'm like, yeah, that's sort of in, in the, in the realm of like what I expected a very like friendly, open, welcoming sort of approach. No dumb questions is exactly right. And it's easy to sort of forget like how kind of technical it all feels and, yeah. and sort of how, because it is such a sovereign individual thing, like your engagement with crypto and stuff like that was like, well, you do need to set up a wallet. We need to start there. It's like, there's all the yeah. shiny objects of the, the DAOs or the NFTs and, and all this type of stuff and new internet. And like, you're surrounded by folks who are already already about this stuff and they're into it. And you're like, I want to be doing what these people are doing. But then there's this whole sort of technical uh, on-ramp on yeah. the way in that you kind of can't skip that step. And in fact, I, I feel like it's interesting when people talk about like 
for one thing, let's just, it's crypto, but let's obfuscate everything. And so it just feels like a web two thing. And, um, uh, a friend, uh, Peter from one KX or whatever, who tweets, uh, Peter Pan, you know, who uh, tweets really interesting, uh, views on all this kind of stuff. And he's just like, no, like we need, it kind of, it needs to be hard. That's kind of part of what it is. It's sort of like learning to take responsibility for, if you like your own data and presence online and you're, yeah. you know what I mean? Totally. And I think that, um, I think there's like levels to, to that. Cause I totally agree that you definitely only start to figure it out once you do it yourself. There's no other way. And uh, that was my experience too. Dina and I had been sort of talking about this stuff for like two weeks. We were planning this event and I had the experience of, I was trying to, I set up my wallet. I was trying to buy this NFT. I couldn't figure it out. I was like on YouTube and like watching these videos. And I was like, am I doing this right? I was like trying to change networks. And it was so hard. And I kept feeling like this cannot be right. And then realizing, oh, this is what it is. Like when they talk about nascent technology, you don't know what that means until you're in it. And you're like, oh, this is so there's so much friction here. And, um, I think definitely giving people the space to realize that that is sort of what it is at the front. And then I think for us, one of the things that we have done really intentionally is our community is not NFT gated, it's application gated. And because we know that that, that tension point of creating a wallet, buying your first tokens, like getting into the space is, the moment actually that we want to show up for people and want to be there for them to be like, Hey, I'm like struggling to figure out what a seed freight is, is, or where do I save all this? And, um, so how I think a lot of communities around onboarding, like really missed on that, where all of a sudden you have like NFT gated communities for people who are new to the space. And it's like, this doesn't make any sense. And so I think just making decisions like that was really important to us because I, I agree it is really hard and there's a lot of um, time and energy in the setting up of getting started that is really nice to have people in your corner helping you figure it out so interesting to note that boys club being like application based I mean what is the size of your community uh, at this point what does that look like and uh, it sounds like that is a mode in which it's essentially free to join boys club because you know when we look around all these sort of um like nounish DAOs or like a thing that's really popping off and happening yeah. now where it's like you have to win the auction in order to join or whatever um but these decisions about how these communities are formed and if you like the economic incentives or buy-ins or lack of buy-in maybe it's just free and open to join but then there's you know certain levels of um, access or participation that are based on, you know, contribution or showing up or all, all these types of things, I feel like are really, really interesting um, in terms of, you know, community design and the ultimate kind of yeah. experience and output of that project and community um, can be influenced quite a lot by the way that people can show up and join in the first place kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Um, we thought a lot about this and, so the size of our community is, so we have, we, we have intentionally sort of separate community versus audience and think about these things in two distinct buckets and sort of like concentric circles. So our community is um, intentionally capped at 2000 people. We um, basically will remove inactive members and then push in new members. So that's sort of how that works. And when, and there were a lot of decisions we could have made, we could have easily had our discord link everywhere and really tried to grow it to, you know, whatever, 30,000, 50,000 person discord or whatever it is. And that could have been the goal, but we were really intentional from the beginning to wanting to have the sense of belonging and intimacy that you get from a smaller discord. Like we've all been in those discords where, you know, there's 30,000 people. And it's just like people shilling and like, it's not, there's no sense of knowing each other and no sense of true community. And we thought it was really important to, um, to cap that at a level where we felt like, okay, you can still show up to this space and feel like you're known. Um, there's definitely moments where I'm like, man, was that the right move? Like I see these other communities and they're like, we have 10,000 people in our discord. And I'm like, oh man, maybe we, there's definitely moments where I'm like, I don't know if that was the right move. And, but I do feel like I really know a lot of the people in our community. I think that's the experience that a lot of people have. And that feels, that feels right. Um, 
And then audience is where we're really trying to think about how do we grow uh, that in a boundless way? How do we get a lot of people that are reading the newsletter and listening to the podcast and engaging in the zine and coming to our events and all of that sort of circle of engagement with boys club, we're thinking about how do we open up the conversation to be not just a web three community, but our, the way that we talk about boys club now is we're bringing new voices to the new internet. So talking about emerging tech more broadly, talking about how emerging tech affects culture. And that's, yes, that's definitely crypto and web three and that's the stack. And that's what we're like born from, but that's also digital ownership and AI and all of these other areas of emerging tech that are really going to rub up against the things that we're interested in and that our community is talking about. Um, and so that's sort of how we think about those two, uh, distinctions. And then contributors are sort of a smaller section of people within the community. So those are people who are actively contributing to Boys Club that are um, helping with programming or membership um, or one of the other guilds that we have. And um, that those are the people within what we would call our DAO. We don't have a liquid token. So that's like a distinction that um, is different from a lot of other DAOs and maybe it doesn't make us like quote unquote real DAO. Um, but we don't have a liquid token, but we are, if you're voting on our shared treasury, then you're contributing to boys club. So that's sort of how we, um, um, have measured that. And for us, it takes away this, like, you have to have a certain amount of money or some sort of financial incentive to being able to vote on the shared treasury, but it's really about your contribution to the organization and to the community. Um, and always thinking about how are we driving value back to our members? How are we driving value back to people and participants in boys club? And that being the core uh, premise of what we're doing, as opposed to how are we extracting value and taking from our community and members? Yeah. I love that. Resonate with all of that. I think you made the right decision. Nobody needs a, a Discord <laughs> with 10,000 members unless we're talking about a new video game that everyone's really angry about, which is sort of Discord's like native <laughs> oh use gosh. case or whatever. That sounds like hell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, aside from the fact that as we go into the kind of like, you know, we're in this sort of bear experience now where Discord in yeah. general is sort of um, down in engagement in, in general. Um, and I assume that like in... I, I would feel that boys club would be a little over here on the graph as far as like a community that's still like having engagement and still because it's not yeah. based around speculation and, and these other sort of things. But interesting that you note about members voting on what to do with the shared treasury and stuff like that. So I take it that folks apply to join and when accepted, they're airdropped like a, an NFT token or something like that that gives them access or otherwise, like how, how are the votes kind of mediated? Just curious. Yeah. Um, so we are uh, very much come from the mentality of like minimum viable product, minimum viable community. So we didn't want to build out infrastructure that wasn't quite right or build out some sort of voting mechanism on chain that um, wouldn't that in two months we'd be like, oh, man, that's not really actually how we want to do it. Yeah. So we've chosen a very lightweight approach. So essentially we have um, several guilds. There's four guilds right now. Each of those guilds has a guild lead, and then the guild lead builds a team around the needs for that specific guild. So if we're looking at something like our DAO Ops Guild, which is thinking about um, governance, thinking about like the shared treasury, treasury diversification, um, a bunch of our grants program, they're thinking about, okay, these are the four or five people that I, types of people that would really build out this team to be able to do this work. And then bringing those people in. And then all of our voting at this point is done through like discord emojis. It is very lightweight it is super off. That part of it is very off chain. Um, and then we have a multi-sig with several of our guild leads and myself and Dina who are actually, um, you know, making actually like, uh, executing on the transactions. So, um, yeah, it's really lightweight at this point. I, we're excited to build that out. We're working on a structure called Dow points that will be a part of, as contributors that will be an on-chain representation of contribution um, that will eventually map the plan now. And this might change in the future, uh, depending on the regulatory environment and all the things that could possibly happen, but uh, eventually map to uh, a liquid boys token at some point. But at, at this point, we're working towards um, doing this inflationary Dow point structure for contributors within boys club. And then once we get that in place, we might move voting to um, some sort of on-chain tool but we've really chosen this, like, how do we move really quickly and moving really quickly when you're coordinating 
25 people who all have full-time jobs, it's really, really hard. So where are there areas where you can index to something that doesn't require, um, you know, a bunch of overhead to maintain or to execute on. But you also mentioned this kind of having these concentric circles of like, you know, no, contributors or guilds or, you know, members capped at like 2000 or whatever. And then you have like the broader audience and stuff like that. So I'd love to jam with you a little bit about like what your communications and sort of media strategy looks like because there's so much interesting stuff to play with here in web3 as far as media goes and and things like that even if it's just a little um interaction with uh nfts or free mints or or all that kind of stuff but then also um you know you guys are doing such great stuff with newsletter which is a great kind of um coordination tool and signal for a community to have but also like uh, your wonderful podcast and now you have a new podcast on the way as well so i'd love to kind of chat about what you guys are doing in the media realm from boys club yeah um so we have been really thinking about what opportunities sit within the dow and what are things that's been out of the dow and there's a whole bunch of stuff i could talk about in terms of like structure around these projects but going back to something i said at the beginning like one of the things we've done really from the beginning of Boys Club is just have a ton of experimentation around stuff, just throwing spaghetti at the wall, seeing what sticks, um, whether that's coming from the community itself or from the core team, thinking about different products and ideas and pro- uh, media properties we could launch. And so over the um, last you know 18 months since we launched Boys Club, one of the things that we started to see that was really sticking was these media properties. So newsletter and podcast being two of the primary ones. And so we've really um, started to invest in that much more heavily and started to um, create a ton of content and um, publish that through our channels and really have started to have a concerted effort around growing those channels as distinct media entities um, that flow back to the, the shared community. And so we've had a lot of fun doing that and are really thinking about how do we expand the conversation um, to many different types of people in their journey of crypto and and other um, types of emerging tech like like our AI newsletter and our AI podcast um, that's just launching. So we spent a lot of time thinking about how do we position Boys Club as not um, just this niche community, but a distribution channel that has information on this sort of intersection. And for us, investing in those distribution channels and in those these media properties makes a ton of sense because it allows us to then have um, the, a distribution channel for anything that comes out of Boys Club. So if we launch a software product, if we launch the CPG line, if we decide to do a larger apparel line, then we have this um, really valuable sort of, um, uh, what's it called? Like, um, where you megaphone, uh, like a really valuable megaphone to make a lot of noise about the different things that we're doing that are coming from the community or coming from core team members or whatever it may be. So that's been a really strategic decision for us and also just came out of a really natural fit within the community um, and within the things that we were sort of experimenting with that started to have some traction. And then the other thing that I'll say is like, we've always been looking for what the business of Boys Club is. We, um, never wanted to have this financialized asset that drove the entire, like a speculative financial asset that drove the entire value of Boys Club that didn't feel right for us in our community. And so all of these experimentations have been, how do we get to something that is sustainable, that has repeating recurring revenue? Like where does that sort of exist within Boys Club? And maybe there's many different projects and many different entities that have that, that bring value back to the DAO and the shared treasury. Um, And so the first thing that we're really, Investing in around that is is the media channels. Yes, fuck yes. All right, so I lo- <laughs> I love all of that. Um, that's exactly what it is. Um, but I I can only assume that you're perhaps personal friends with, but or at least uh, cognizant of Meta Label and the stuff they're doing. Yes, because once again, um, shout out to Yancey, Austin, uh, and and all the friends over there, Anna. Um, all, all three of which have been on this show in previous episodes. Oh, cool. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And like <clears throat> we, my, myself and, and Ivano from UFO and, and some friends, like we were part of assembly with MetaLabel mid last year, oh, cool. you know, so they got cool. like, I think it was 20 different projects together. Uh, I think we met like twice a week for a month and, you know, guest talks and like workshops together and all this kind of, which was great because like MetaLabel had popped up on my radar, essentially articulating exactly what we'd been working away on for about, you know, Mm. half a year or a year at that point. 
of just like, well, like, ah, yes, they've described it really well. Like, this is exactly what we've been jamming about this whole time. Um, but what's exciting about sort of the, the meta label idea is that it's like a release club and it's like this community exists to create stuff and then release it together, put it out, um, you know, and again, like crypto, very useful for this kind of stuff. It's something that looks like split contracts or whatever it might be. We could do that in an analog way before, but now this stuff can just happen instantaneously online. And I'm kind of, you know, with something like Boys Club, as you say, like, what is the business of Boys Club or to to a large extent it's like a series of creative releases in all different yeah. categories and and whatnot but it all kind of comes back and again this resonates with the sort of the nounish model and approach of like the yeah. flywheel and it looks something like a circle with little arrows on it and it's just like well we re we release cool shit and then that you know attracts attention and then the attention is like people are either buying the thing or they want to get involved in the next release and the cycle just goes around again and so totally. it just kind of rotates through time and kind of that's i don't know speaking for myself that's what i'm here for like i really i really dig that i don't know if it's because i come from uh community radio station land or media and zine type spaces mm -hmm. or the music space where it's just like well let's just do what we need to do to get this record on vinyl sell enough of them so that we can do another one it's like each release just earns the uh, I guess the invitation or the capacity to do the next release. Like that's what we're really, yeah. really here for. Um, so I totally resonate uh, with, with the approach and, and the model. Uh, but I'd also like to ask about like the boys club zine and what was kind of the experience and process like in putting that together. And I love when things become physical and, and print and whatnot. Like, yeah. So yeah. What, what was the, the zine process like uh, for your Yeah. Squad? The zine was, it was a lot of fun. It was, um, so the zine came out of actually a proposal from the community. So, um, Noah, who has been a photographer for a long time in New York and was uh, sort of the resident photographer of boys club and has worked in fashion for a long time had submitted this proposal that was originally, it looked like, Oh, let's do like a yearbook, a yearbook for boys club that feels like a zine. And that talks about the people in our community and things like that. And so that's how it started. And then the project completely evolved and became this really beautiful, amazing sort of snapshot in time of um, what was happening in our community, but also the broader landscape of Web3 um, in, in that, in the spring of, of 2023. And um, yeah, it was really cool to see how a project sort of starts as one thing within a community and evolves. And I think a zine is such a perfect encapsulation of a DAO because it's all these contributing voices that are coming together to have a shared sort of vision of the world and shared encapsulation of that moment in time. And it felt like just the perfect representation of the community and having different contributors um, either submit photography or um, write pieces and having a lot of really thoughtful people think about what the landscape looked like at that time. And so we have a, we had a physical zine, we had a um, digital zine. We also did like an open uh, mint um, that was, that was an open edition free mint and 85,000 mints happened from that zine launch. So that was crazy. And so it was really fun to see, okay, how do you take these things that are happening in this tech and have people want to participate in a media moment um, for Boys Club. And so it was a lot of fun. It was a ton of learning. It was very hard. None of us come from a publishing background. None of us have published a magazine or zine before. So we learned a ton. We're working on edition two right now, and I'm hoping that we've worked out some of the kinks of um, the learning curves around it. But it was a really challenging and really fun thing to see and really felt like that in-person physical aspect of it. We did like a newsprint of it was really important. And one of the reasons we did that was we launched it at South by this past year. And that was super intentional to go into a space, especially during a bear market where nobody wants to talk about crypto. Nobody knows what it is for the most part. And like walking down South Congress with the whole team that worked on it, like handing out zines to people who don't know what Boys Club is. And when we're talking about like a crypto magazine, they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I just read it and like, tell me what you think. And so that was very much designed uh, for that type of moment. And so it was, it was a lot of fun and we had a great time doing it. Super smart. And um, I have that image in my head now of like walking through South by handing out zines. I'm very happy yeah. that, that happened. <laughs> um, and the kind of the, the physical media 
piece of it. And then you also, you also mentioned the, you know, 85,000, uh, free mints of like the, of the open edition. And that, that kind of resonates with another piece of this kind of, um, uh, you know, the, the new way of doing stuff is like essentially showing up in as many wallets as possible. Like let's distribute yeah. as far as possible, uh, which is really, really cool because like we, you know, I feel like as, as collectors, we have this like this interesting kind of um, relationship with what we collect and ultimately what we hold in our wallet and stuff like that. And yeah. I love like distributing that widely where it doesn't need to be financialized at the outset or, you know, it can be yeah. a free mint, but it's really, it's cool for people to be able to collect what feels like an artifact from boys club totally. or whatever. Right. Yeah. And like, I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of like, what would be, what would be uh, analogous with, the past or, or something like that where it would be as um as easy as like picking up free stickers and throwing them on the on your computer or i like i don't know what it what it would be otherwise but like these kind of and and this feels like a little you know part of the the magic the secret of it of like building mm -hmm. a media brand in crypto now is this approach of just like no like do as much free things as you can that goes broad as you can yeah, and then kind of totally. having these um, I'm sure you know Rafa as well, who's also been on the yeah. show, is a friend of mine. Um, but he, you know, he thinks really interestingly about, I think he calls it like varying levels of intimacy with your brand or project. So there's folks who'll mm -hmm. show up and collect stuff for free or do stuff for free, or they'll come to a boys club event is like maybe up another few levels of intimacy or whatever it may be. And then there's folks, yeah. it, it's almost can be um divided economically as well it's like these are all our free things these are all our practically free things or you can buy a cap for this much or yeah. collect the physical zine for this much or and and onwards uh from there which i think is a really helpful way to think about building a project or a brand uh online essentially mm -hmm. like it's very internet native if like you're really about this yeah you can buy the vinyl if you want to but you can also have a free download you know yeah yeah absolutely um yeah we've it's exactly right. We've thought a lot about how do we have distribution broadly across all of these different wallets and, and continue to build on that as a, um, as an asset, I think that will be very valuable as more and more media comes on chain and more and more transactions come on chain and a commerce experience, uh, continues to get built out with your audience and consumers and, and listeners and readers of your newsletter. Um, and how do we have like a much better relationship between community and content and commerce than we did in web two and web three. Um, and I think having that on-chain element is a start of that and we don't have all the answers, but we're getting, I think, closer and closer as we do that work. By the time this episode um, goes to air pretty soon, I think potentially your, your new podcast may be live and we'll you know link to it uh, in the show notes and folks can go and, and check that out. But I love that you're doing this and you were telling me uh, on email just recently that this was happening. I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'll be listening to that. So um, <laughs> bullshit machines. Uh, yes, I, I agree that we've slipped into a surreal sci-fi yeah. universe <laughs> and fucking fu futuristic tech is is catching up to us all all of a sudden, uh, kind of like the bill has come due. And so chat GPT yeah. exploding, uh, coming, you know, riding the wave of before that it was stable diffusion and mid journey and, and all this stuff that was weird enough on its own. Uh, but now the mm -hmm. chat GPT thing is putting it into. So yes, I would love to ask you about why jumping in and creating this series, which is different to what you've been doing before through the Boys Club podcast uh, project and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and from the conversations that you're having and, and stuff like that, like what, what are you discovering? Uh, what are you discovering through this series, basically? Yeah, um, we've, we've been having a lot of fun working on it. So we decided to do this series really because our community was talking about AI all the time in our Discord. And so much of the conversation was really about very reminiscent of early days boys club where people were sort of struggling with what does this mean for my work and my social life and all the things that I'm interested in? How is this going to affect those things? How do I stay on top of this technology in a way that... Um, continues to make me valuable and makes me better at my job or um, just starting to play with these things in a way that's fun and interesting. And so it was so similar to how so many of our early conversations with members and with the community was when we started Boys Club. And so 
it really came very naturally out of, okay, everybody's talking about this. Like what we've been able to do with boys club is be very, um, effective translators to a very complex topic really because we're learning alongside our community. It's not because we're experts. It's not because we know everything about AI. It's just because we're curious and, and our community is curious. And so taking that curiosity into this new vertical and starting to do the same thing that we did early days boys club, where we're translating all of these terms and, um, technology and, um, you know, players in the game and being like, okay, this is what it could mean for you. This is what we've learned. And so, um, our first episode is called, um, AI for idiots by idiots. So it's really like, we're very much like we don't know what we're talking about but we're trying to figure it out alongside of you um and yeah bullshit machines is definitely like wow we're in a totally like a hallucination of the world and it's crazy what's happening but it's also sort of tongue-in-cheek like we're also the bullshit machines who are, are spouting off all of the knowledge for you about this stuff um so we're having a lot of fun i think the thing that i've learned the most is um exactly how i felt about crypto where and my experience and feeling of, of that work of onboarding and learning in the space was I'd start to get into something and I'd be confronted with a word or a phrase or concept that I couldn't grasp or that was like really complicated or wasn't coming to life for me. And my initial instinct was like, oh, this is just like not for me. This space is not for me. This industry is not for me. And like, I should just take a step back and sort of bow out. And what I learned through Boys Club was like, I can just set that aside and move to the next thing. Like if I didn't understand um, whatever the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum or whatever it was, like I, it, it didn't matter. Like just set it aside and like keep moving and keep trying to understand and keep playing in this space and keep testing products and working with products. And like, eventually those things will start to click and they'll make a ton of sense. And that's definitely been my experience of learning and uh, producing this podcast is like, there's so many times where I'm like confronted by something that just like does not make sense to me or feels really weird or doesn't click with the things that I'm interested in and just setting it aside and moving through it has been really useful. And I think that's um, for any sort of learning experience, but especially around, I think, emerging tech, I think that's a, a, an important sort of lesson to learn is that it will eventually start to crystallize and it doesn't all have to sort of come to life at the same moment. Well put. I love that. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that um, response as far as like, yeah, what, you know, it, it sort of resonates with what the early crypto experience was like of just like, okay, here's this new crazy thing. Um, yeah. But I'd love to touch on quickly as well, like what kind of um, use cases in terms of AI have you been uh, exploring as it's kind of, you know, branching, branching out in every direction? Yeah, they're really dumb. They're really dumb. Um, I mean, I've used it for like, you know, my work and uh, um, I use ChatGPT all the time to basically like summarize emails or help me with copy or um, with like a podcast um, description, like things like that, that are actually sort of useful. But we've also been having a lot of fun creating content uh, with Midjourney and doing just like a ton of dumb shit that I've had a great time making. And so we did a, a newsletter a few weeks ago that Sam, who writes our, our AI newsletter, who's a, an early stage founder in, in the AI space, she um, wrote, maybe it's Midjourney, maybe it's Midjourney, maybe it's Maybelline, which I don't know if you know this, but like a Maybelline's, okay, famous um, ad is maybe she's born with it, maybe it's Maybelline. And so we did like a whole series on Instagram that was like all of these um, AI produced images of people putting on makeup and saying like, maybe it's Midjourney, maybe it's Maybelline. And like all of them are so bad. Like they have like a ton of hands or like their eyes are in the wrong spot. And like, we just had so much fun working with like getting into, and that was a perfect example of like, okay, we have this concept of content we want to make. Let's learn how to join the Discord mid-journey community. Let's like pay for our subscription. Let's learn the prompts. Let's figure out what's working, what's not working. And just like creating your wallet and buying your first tokens, it's the same thing. Like where you're just like, what is happening? This is so weird. And am I, am I doing this right? Is this how other people are doing it? Um, and so the experience is very similar, but I have had a ton of fun sort of experimenting with along like basically producing content that has been my main thing that I've had like a joyous moment around working with that technology. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And I, you know, resonates with what you said before about like boys club, basically throwing totally. stuff against a wall, yeah. spinning stuff up, experimenting, playing with it. And it can, it can be messy. Many things can fit um, within this brand. And it is, it, it has that kind of experimental uh, approach to stuff but yeah man like the the mid journey 
stuff and and all these different engines i find them so yeah. surreal and it feels like kind of like dream machines like effectively i could describe a dream i had last night and then just show my friend yeah. a picture of it instantly. so weird it's this kind of stuff that right like um really really strange the kind of the free association of all these things and then i mean and that's kind of been existing here for I'm not sure how long, like a couple of years. I'm losing track of the of the timeline or whatever. But with ChatGPT coming in and and you know landing now like a UFO, it feels like, and people are just like, I'm sorry, what what the hell is that thing? It's, it feels like it's hit the zeitgeist way harder than the mid journeys and stuff like that because people are like, all right, internet's going to yeah. internet. It makes weird stuff. Like I get it, whatever. Whereas ChatGPT is just like, oh no, like is this thing smarter than me? Like is this going to replace my job instantly? So it it feels like people are having more of a kind of existential reaction to, to For that sure. For coming sure. online. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just you know, yeah. casually terrifying. <laughs> it's fine. Um, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, just to round out. So again, like, thank you so much for coming. This in, was so and fun. You had such been... great questions and was, well, you were so thoughtful. So I had a great time. Thank you for having me. I always like to kind of, um, to shout this out. Like if, if folks are interested to delve into boys club, to come and join, participate with the community and stuff like that, like what are the best steps for them to take, uh, online and also to, um, to follow yourself, uh, online through your channels. Uh, great. Yeah. Um, so boysclub.vip is our website. So definitely feel free to check that out. There's more information on applying to the community. Um, and then definitely follow us on, you know, social channels, uh, Twitter or boys club world and catch the podcast if you're interested. Um, so all of all of those things and then for myself i'm on twitter at natasha g hoskins so come on down and say hey thank you to natasha for coming on ufo you can find her on twitter at natasha g hoskins links to her socials and projects are in the show notes at ufo.mira.xyz thanks to our sponsors who made this episode possible to get started with zirian and create your new crypto wallet head to zirian.io for the best of Web3 in one feed, visit yup.io. To join the Lens ecosystem and explore the future of Web3 social, head to lens.xyz. Subscribers can collect our NFTs at ufoclub.lens. This is Nick Collins signing off from UFO.